Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. In this episode, I am interviewed by the legendary Paul Mort. Now, you should be what? Paul likes to use quite colourful language. So if you're easily offended, this episode might not be for you. And I certainly suggest that you don't listen to it with children in the car or listening in or anything like that. But uh, I think you'll find that this interview is very insightful. Paul asked me a lot of questions that maybe I wouldn't normally answer on the standard uh, Empire Builders podcast. So I think you'll find it very useful, valuable, insightful. Enjoy today's episode. Is an introduction really necessary for someone we all know so well? Welcome to Paul Mort Talk Shit. Curious fellow, but I like him. Paul Mort Talk Shit. Paul Mort Talk Shit. Paul Mort Talk Shit. He's a shady character. What's his name? I'm back. It's me. I've actually just heard an ice cream van playing the Batman theme tune. Hence, that tune was at the top of my head. But today's podcast, you're in for a fucking treat. So, if you know anything about me, you know I've been, not blessed, but I've been good at business for a long time. I've been self-employed since I was 21. I'm 40 this weekend as of recording this. And you don't get by in business for that long without knowing a little bit. But a year ago, I met a guy who just helped me make sense of why I've never quite been able to sustain stuff and build a business that I absolutely love, that is full of structure and organization. And also the guy that put me on a stage in front of about 800 people at Wembley and allowed me to spread my message and impact way more people. Um, You're gonna love this podcast with my buddy Nick James, a part of his mastermind. He's introduced me to some amazing people, helped me with a bunch of stuff. Actually, I'll tell you this, he encouraged me to start a podcast and I couldn't wait to get him on. this has some great stories in it from, from the business world, from being self-employed, from meeting Tony Robbins at the age of 14 years old and everything in between. All right. Hey, welcome to another episode of Paul Mort Talk Shit. Today, I'm talking shit with Mr. Nick James. How are you, sir? I'm awesome, mate. Thanks for having me on. Hey, my pleasure. So we're here in, um, we're in Birmingham, but where we're really over- is it some area of Birmingham we're in? We're in a little village called Hampton in Arden. Hampton in Arden. Um, which is uh, just on the outskirts of Birmingham, nice in the country. Right in the, in the country. Yeah. Yeah. In a, did you know? In a, in a barn. Mate, did you know you can't say the word country without saying the word cunt? <laughs> <laughs> I'd never thought of that no, before. No, you can't. I, I only know that because James Smith, uh, that's his excuse for saying the word cunt all the time. So there you go. thing is, the problem now, like... Going My mum's going to listen well, to this podcast thing. and she's going to hear the C-bomb like that three is times the thing. in the opening minute. Uh, well, um, so... <laughs> what here's what's crazy. Here, what a way to start. So here's what's crazy. I'm an expert Empires HQ today and um, Nick's mum... It always feels weird saying that, your mum. That's the type of thing that when people say like, what's the... Like in the playground. Like in like the an playground. insult. <laughs> in, in Newcastle, we say Yama. Yeah. Like your ma's this, your ma's that. What someone said the other day, what's the like you know on Instagram when you get asked those funny questions, someone said like, what's the best temperature to cook shepherd's pie at? And I said, whichever temperature your ma cooks it at. What's your favorite scent of candle? Your ma. 
So anyway, <laughs> basically the answer to any question. So, so yeah. um, for you guys listening, um, I first met Nick in 20, last year. 18, I think. 18. Yeah. Do you think? I think it was 18. Maybe 2018. And I was here at this very office and I was actually on the master coach certification um, with Nick's mom, who is amazing. Shout out Nicky V. Um, and I'd actually heard of Nick before. Because Nick, as he'll explain, had flown some fucking big ballers over to the UK for events. Gary V, Dan Allen Sugar. I think at that point he might have had Grant Cardone over. Yep. And then Nicky V basically said, oh, my son's coming on. He's going to teach some stuff about business for coaches. And I was like, he's going to fucking pitch here. Because I'm... You're I, damn right, I am. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I, anyway, I was like, I'm not fucking buying this thing, whatever it is. And then Nick pointed out a couple of holes in my business. I was like, actually, he's got a fucking point here. And then obviously the rest is history. Um, so yeah, Nick, um, tell the guys a little bit about what you're doing right now. And then I want to rewind right back because I love your personal development story. Yeah, cool. Well, I mean, right now um, we're in an interesting time. So <laughs> bear in mind, we're an events company. Yeah. At least from the outside, that's what it looks like. Yeah. So best known for Expert Empires, which is a two-day event. We run it three times a year. You've mentioned speakers mm -hmm. that we've had. We've had David Goggins, Tom Bilyeu, Paul Maud, Harry Green, Paul, Paul Maud. Some amazing <laughs> speakers uh, on stage at that event. And effectively, you know, that, that event three times a year is, has been our marketing yeah. for the core business, which is Mastermind. Yeah. As you know, yeah. uh, you're a member of our seven-figure Mastermind. Um, we've got kicking on for 200 members in our various different high-end coaching and mentoring programs, yeah. which we call Mastermind. Yeah. Um, so what we're focused on now, really, um, instead of doing big events, 500,000 people, mm -hmm. expert empire style, we're doing um, much smaller, more regular events, which we always kind of did before. Yeah. Um, but like, for example, we've got an event happening. I'm, I'm pointing that way because yeah. <laughs> our training center, we've yeah. got our office building here. And then across the car park, we've got the training center, yeah. which ordinarily would seat 90, 100 people. At yeah. the moment, we're maxed out at like 25, obviously, because yeah. of social yeah. distancing. Producer so, Mark is actually in there right now. Yeah. Yeah, might, which uh, is why you're, under not, why you're not hearing his dulcet tones. <laughs> he's in the uh, he's in the training center, yeah. Yeah, so, so we're, we're running a lot more frequent, smaller number events yeah. instead of a big event every few months, much more frequent, small number of events. Yeah. And Mastermind is still really the, you know, that's the bread and butter, that's yeah. the core business. Amazing. Um. I wasn't going to ask this question, but how is it? What's been the difference for you in, like, have you missed running big events? Yeah. Have you? Yeah. I miss speaking at events badly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think for me, I, I miss the speaking at the big event. Yes. A, a bit. Yes. Although I don't generally do much speaking on other people's stages. Yes. Generally speaking, most of my speaking is on my own stages yes. at my own events. Um, but I really miss the buzz, the energy, you know, you've been to expert empires, you've spoken a, a couple of three times there. Yeah. The, the environment that we create, you yeah, know, we amazing. have like parties, you know, like free bar for the access to all areas, yeah. ticket holders. We do dinners. Yeah. We do the lunches. energy's fucking sick. So, so we, we, you know, even though of course, you know, I like to think that the speakers we bring over and the presentations that people like you and I give are yeah. high value. Yeah. I, also, I think it's the, it's being around a great group of people and yeah. the energy. Me, I don't think there's anything I, like what you guys do in the UK. 
Yeah, I've been all over the world and things like that, and I've yeah. never been to anything like that. In, well, that was the that was the reason I created was it. Was it? I'd been going. Well, you know, I've been I've been since I was twelve years of age. But this is what I want to get into. Traveling story, all yeah. over the world. Yeah. Um. Very fortunate from a very young age to be around like Tony Robbins yeah. and that kind of world. And so my standard for events is really fucking high. Yeah. Like you know, at twelve years of age. I'm a, a luxury five-star resort in Hawaii at a Tony Robbins event. Yeah. That's the standard there. Yeah, and that's because so, your mum... Because my mum was a trainer for Tony's organisation, yeah. um, and she basically went, look, I'm fucking off to... She didn't say fucking off, obviously. <laughs> Although she I does drop have, the odd F-bomb. She does drop the um, odd F-bomb. That's she, why I love her so goes, much. She doesn't drop enough. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to Hawaii for a couple of weeks, this Tony Robbins thing. Do yeah. you want to come with? Or do you want to stay at school and stay with your nan in yeah. Birmingham? I'm like... Fuck school! I'm yeah. going to Hawaii. Hawaii. So um, that was the start, and so dude, yeah. what was it? What was your initial? You might not even be able to remember because I can't remember what I was like when I was twelve. I think I was fucking smoking weed when I was twelve. <laughs> but when you were twelve and you were in Hawaii and you saw this fucking Tony Robbins thing, what was your whole? I, I, what was that like for I you? Genuinely, I, I remember when my mum. I don't remember it vivid because it's yeah. a long time ago. Unfortunately, yeah. now, but I, <laughs> I, um, I, I remember my mum like giving me the opportunity, and I'm like. I don't really know what this is all about. I'm you were just glad to be out of school. Mate, I'm thinking Hawaii five-star resort. Yeah. Like, I'll have some of that. Yeah. Um, you know, luxury, like paradise, great weather. I'm going to yeah. look, it can't be that bad, can yeah. it? So, um, so off we went and like really, like for most people, you can probably recall your first exposure experience yes. to like the world of personal development. That was mine. And so, yeah. but like I said, man, I mean, the standard, I, I still believe to this day that Tony is, the best in the world yes. at what he does. Yes. Um, at creating an environment, an atmosphere, an experience um, that educates, inspires, entertains, all of those things together. Yeah. And so, you know, that's been the standard. And throughout my life, you know, not just Tony Robbins, I've, I've studied um, all over the world, spent a lot of my mum's money initially. <laughs> and then obviously a bit old now yeah. uh, to ask my mum to pay for stuff. So, you know, I, I've, I've spent definitely in the multiple hundreds of thousands of pounds of my own money um, and lots of time traveling all over the world, learning from the best. Yeah. Um, and so I think what you've just said is true. I, I went, it seems to me, and actually I'm going to give it you straight. I think in the kind of like 2016, 2017, which is when the, the idea for expert empires first came about, um, I was looking at the UK events industry and yeah. I got to be honest, I, I wasn't liking what I was seeing. Yeah. I, I felt like it's it was holiday in. Yeah, holiday, holiday in, free event, yeah. pitch fest, same yeah. speakers getting rolled out time and time again. It was getting a bit boring. I felt a bit bored of it. And I think the industry, the market did as well. Yes. So the inspiration behind Expert Empires was like, let's bring the best speakers in the world to the UK, to London, yeah. where people wouldn't ordinarily get the chance to yes. see them yes. unless they take a lot of time and a lot of money to fly to the that's States. That's what I used to have to do. It was fucking exactly. tiring. And I was doing it. Yeah, part, part of the reason why I created Expert Empires was selfish reasons. I was like, I don't want to have to leave my family for a week and yeah. spend thousands and thousands of pounds. That was also part of the go. reason why I joined Mastermind. Yeah. I made fuck flying in the US. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, my, my vision was to create the best of what I've experienced in the US with people like Tony Robbins, um, you know, I'm very fortunate now. We do, we do quite a lot of work with Ryan Dice mm -hmm. and his his company, Digital Marketer mm -hmm. Traffic and Conversion Summit. Um, so I'm due to speak at that in December. 
Um, and we'll, we'll, <laughs> if it goes in, in December, well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll do you think? see. You'll be swimming. you be swimming across the fucking ocean. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes, man. Trump in there, new in mush. Um, so, so, so you know, like, I feel fortunate. I've learned and been around a lot of these amazing events, and yeah. I went. No one does that in the UK. Yeah. And so, um, Expert Empires was created back in the 2016. We ran the first one, uh, May 2017, with the vision, the idea of creating something here in the UK, in yeah. London that you couldn't get anywhere else. Yeah. And mastermind the same, really. I yeah. went, look, you know, there's, don't get me wrong, there's loads of masterminds in the UK, there's loads of masterminds worldwide. Yeah. What I realised was that the high-end ones, in other words, like the, mem- the mastermind that you're a member yeah. of, which is for, for people that are already established businesses, multi-six figures, seven figures and beyond, yeah. Yeah. like most of those were all in the US. So I was like, well, let's create that yeah. in the UK. Yeah. So really everything I've built over the last few years has been built on the basis of trying to do something different and fill a gap um, here in this market. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And this is a question that I always talk about. What are the, what are the, cause it's when you said, I don't really speak at other people's events. I always speak on my own. I'm the other way around. Yeah. Cause I fucking hate organizing events. Well, you know, I, I do believe that you've big got, ones anyway. I've yeah. run a few events with a couple hundred people there. I'm like, this is so fucking stressful. Yeah. When you start like, making, what's the, when you start making a load of fucking money out of them, all of a sudden you start enjoying it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. guarantee it. But I, I do think that, um, like for me, I've always ran events. Like yeah. I started in business in 2008. Yeah. Um, as a, I was a freelance copywriter. So yeah. I was writing email com- campaigns and sales letters for clients. Yeah. Um, and very quickly realized that that was a flawed model because I was very limited on my capacity. Yes. So I started running, I did my first event. How did you get into that then? Uh-huh. Like how did you get into the whole copywriting thing? Um, I was working for uh, an NLP training company, Neuro Linguistic Programming, for those that haven't heard of it, Um, in sales. Then I did a bit of marketing for them. um, And I realized that actually I had a skill set that a lot of people who are NLP practitioners, trainers, coaches needed. Um, So I thought, well, I'll just set up a business providing that service. And, you know, made some money, but went, right, if I teach this rather than just do it for people, then obviously I can grow um, I can serve more people, grow my yes. business. Um, so yeah, started doing events in like 2009, mm-hmm. a very small level. You know, yeah. I think we had eight people at the first one. So, yeah. you know, um, you know, we'll get 10 times that now to some of our, um, or a hundred times even, uh, at our biggest events. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think the, the idea of running events initially appealed to me. I definitely experienced like you have the hard work. Yeah. Let's just the organization stage. Well, but the thing is, and again, I suppose what I was getting to is I think no matter what business or what industry you're in, you've got to stick to a strategy that your strengths yes. play to yes. stick to what you world class at. Yes. And I'm really good at the marketing, the promotion of events. I've always been good at that. I, you know, I've been around the industry since I was 12. Yes. So it comes naturally to me. Yes. Um, when it comes to running the show and putting on a great show, it's instinctive to me because I've grown up on it. Yeah. So I know what looks good, feels good. I know how to create the energy, the environment. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate. My mum, who you mentioned, Nikki works with our organization. She's been around Tony Robbins events forever. Yeah. Yeah. So like, we've got a lot of skill set here in my company yes. on how to deliver world-class events. Yes. So it'd be foolish for me to only go and speak at others. Yeah. So, um, and uh, you know, I've created a model which you I think like the whole I've created a model which I think works for the audience yes. and it's financially viable and works for me. Yes. And that I do believe it's like a partnership um that works. And you know, I, don't get me wrong, I would 
I suppose I would speak at other events, mm-hmm. but I have had some experiences where I go and speak at other events, either what the event stands for probably isn't aligned with my values. Mm-hmm. And so it's probably not a good fit. And I go, I can control everything in my own event. Yeah. I can control the tech, the audience. You when you go on. Like when I go on, when I come off, like, I, I, like I've got complete control and I know what, I know what I need to do to give a world-class experience to people. Yeah. When I go into somebody else's event, it's much more difficult to do that. Yeah. So, and, and it's not that I wouldn't speak at other events. I just haven't really pursued that. Yeah. Um, it's not really something that I don't enjoy it as much. I've got to be honest. Really? Like, when I, on the rare occasion, I do get invited to speak at some events. Because I'm the opposite. I go know. on and I'm a bit like, these people don't know who the fuck I am. Yeah. And now I've got to like do something to like the get their attention yes. and convince them. I'm like, look, man, if somebody's paid like, you know, between a hundred and a thousand quid to come and spend a couple of days with me. Mm. Like they're already convinced. Yes. Like, I don't need to yes. do anything special. Like I just yeah. need to be me. So I find it much more, much more comfortable really. I suppose, you know, but putting on the big shows, I love it, mate. It's like yeah. a drug. I'm addicted yeah. and I'm missing it. Right do you now. think putting on the big show for you, do you think you like the putting on the show rather than the speaking itself? I like both. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I, like I definitely, um, mate, I can't. Could I you can't ever run an event and not speak? Nah, Did you know? I can't explain and I can't really explain the feeling like you've been at expert empires, yeah. like those few minutes before we start and the music's pumping yeah. and the anticipation's there yeah. and I'm going on to open it and I'm nervous. Like, yeah. look, I mean, I suppose that's a buzz that always, you can't really, never, look, you can't really get that mate, buzz anywhere else, right? You well, don't listen, get that buzz on fucking listen, zoom. Listen, I can't sing. <laughs> I'm not particularly good at any sport in, you know, individually. So I go, the chance of me becoming the next Tyson Fury or the yeah. next fucking famous singer, a yeah. zero, that's how I get my Buzz. version of that. Yes. Um, and I love it. And, and by the way, like, you know, maybe if you've been to my events, you might agree or disagree. I think I'm really good at it. Yeah. So I go, I can do that. And my belief in my ability to do it at a world-class level is very high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think it meets my needs personally. And, it's a great business model. It yeah. works. Yeah. What's the hardest part of it? Of events. Yeah. The big events. Yeah. Um, what's the hardest part of it? It depends whether you think at the start. What's or, the most challenging part yeah, of it? I think, I think, well, I'll answer both ways at the start, like writing big checks yeah. and taking big risks. Mm. And, you know, like there was no guarantee that was going to pan out. I had to really back myself. Yeah. You know, so I think the first Expert Empires event we spent kicking on for 200 grand mm. just on event costs, speaker fees, venue, AV. Mm. That's market. a big risk. Yeah, 200 grand, which I didn't have, by the way. Yeah. Like, I, I had to play the game to Do be you able think, to make it and happen. this is this is a legit, I think I know the answer. Do you think that having the background that you'd had, the kind of upbringing that you had, being exposed to all of that, do you think that it must have helped you to make that big risk. Like, yeah, I think, I think from, you, there's you, many you, people that would be very, 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 very averse to that risk. Well, there, there's, even, some there's some people that, that wouldn't even risk two grand, never nah, mind 200. There, there's some people that, and, and this is where you got to know your own strengths. You've got to be self-aware enough to go, yeah. am I a risk taker? Am I risk averse? And it's not black and white. It's like, to what degree of risk am I comfortable taking? Yes. Um, and you know, it, it wasn't my first event. Yeah. So I had, a track record. Mm-hmm. I had some previous data to go on to mm-hmm. make the decision. Um, and I'm naturally probably nearer to the extreme of risk taking than yeah. I am to risk averse. Yeah. Like, I, I thrive in risk. I, yeah. I don't, I, I don't really fear it that much. Yeah. So, but to answer your question, you went like, what's the hardest part? 
to start off with, it was hard, not because I was fearful or it was risky, mm-hmm. but actually because everybody in the industry told me I was stupid and then it wouldn't work <laughs> Yeah, because there's a set way of doing things over here Yes, and you're now disrupted and doing something different and yeah. that's not the norm. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of, um, I definitely came in for a bit of flack, but more than that, it was people that I know that I respect that I trust going, I'm not sure this is a good idea. I yeah. think here's the reasons why you shouldn't do it. And this is where I go. I think mentorship, I think getting advice, I think getting support from other people is smart. Yes. But sometimes you got to trust that gut instinct and back yourself. Yeah. And that's what I did. And, and I think um, today, I mean, you said, what, what's the what's the most challenging thing? What's the hardest thing about doing it? I think today, the hardest thing about doing it now, um, it's a bit like... Mate, because there's so much goes into it as well, you know. Yeah. Like, I don't think people appreciate, you know when people like, they'll text you. I get texts like the day before saying I can't come now. I'm like... You clearly got no fuck. Can I get a refund? You've clearly got no fucking idea what goes into putting in a fucking event. Yeah, funnily enough, that wasn't what I was going to say is the biggest, was it not? the hardest bit. Although yeah. that's a, you know what, that's a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's a niggle. Yes, but it's not a massive problem. Um, the biggest problem now, actually, is you know, I, I am very grateful and fortunate that we've put on amazing events, had great speakers. It's like I've got to keep raising the bar. Like if I don't keep now, I got pressure now because I go like, I can't put on an expert empires event and lower that standard. So I remember like the, the, there was one of my good friends uh, who, you know, as well, who's in the, he's in the events industry, spoken at a lot of our events too. And he was like, mate, your biggest problem is how do you top that? Like after the last one, we've had a little bit of this with the podcast. How do you top it? You say me guests. Like I I said this to you at the start, Tyson Fury, what a fucking way to start. Yeah. And I was like, here's your biggest problem. Yeah. You've got a topic. Now, fortunately, you can topic. You've got me on. <laughs> you got me on today. I hope Tyson don't listen to this. He's like, who the fuck's this cocky little <laughs> brummy bastard? But yeah, yeah. So the, let me tell you about this then. So we've talked a lot about, a little bit about the challenges, a little bit about how challenging it was at the start, a little bit at the end. And we've talked about like being successful, but what have been some of your, there's got to be some, because on this show, we're not all about being positive. There's got to be some gnarly shit that's happened along the way. What are some of your, what have been some of your biggest challenges? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot. There's a I lot. know one that me and you have never really spoke about, but I've heard you mention it a couple of times. Go on in. Uh, but when, like it's some business partner thing that went. Yeah, so look, I've, I've had, um, you know, I've been in business, what, 12 years. So there's been ups and downs. Yeah. Um, I had a business partner. Um, that partnership is no longer. Yeah. So, you know, if it yeah. was, then. That yes. tells its own story in some yes. respects. Um, we went our separate ways. We had different visions, different ideas about yeah. where we wanted the business to go. Mm-hmm. But the long story short is I went from having a multi seven figure business with mm-hmm. a partner mm-hmm. to the very next day, zero, yeah. no customers, no money, yeah. no staff, no office, nothing starting from scratch. And the last few bits sound and all that, right. And that was, <laughs> well, yeah, but well, I'd say what was interesting, I'll, I'll give it to you straight. So yeah. from a, from an ego perspective, yes. since, you know, we're, we're not just talking about all the success and that yes. the ego perspective, the biggest lesson from that experience was, um, and this was 2015. Yeah. So, uh, end of June, 2015, we just had probably on paper, like, from the outside, no. our most successful period in business ever, mm. you know, mm. like lo- revenue was flying through the door, mm. but there was some fundamental flaws in the business. Let's yeah. just say that. Yeah. And so we decided to part company. Yeah. Um, long story short, he continued running that business. Yeah. I left with zero, with nothing. Yeah. Um, and from a, what I learned from it was I went all of a sudden, I realized that for years I'd been my own self-worth 
had been directly connected to the success or failure of my business. Mm. And so I realized that I'd gone from feeling great about myself, you know, from an, an ego, a success and achievement point of view to all of a sudden, literally the next fucking day, mm. like all of that disappeared and I felt unfulfilled and I didn't feel good enough and I had all this bad shit feeling. Yeah. And I'm going, if I'm feeling this shit, it must be because like I had all of my self-worth attached to that business. Mm. Mm. That ain't healthy, man. Yeah. I and mean, we were talking before we set the gear up and that about, you know, people buying stuff, cars, watches, whatever it is, you know, are you buying it because you want it? Yeah. Uh, which I don't think there's anything wrong with. Yeah, no. Nah. Are you buying it because it makes you happy? In other words, if I don't have it, I'm not happy. Yeah. That's a problem. Or are you buying are you it buying to try it, and make you happy? Try, yeah, to try and make you happy when you're yeah. not already happy. Or are you buying it to impress other people? Yeah. Like, uh, for me, look, there's nothing wrong with spending money on stuff that you want. Yeah. Um, if it makes you feel good. Yeah. Where it's a problem is if you're spending money on stuff that makes you feel good, and without it, you're not going to feel good. Yes. That's a warning yes. sign for me. Yes. So, so I think for me, I had my, all my self-worth, my ego, everything was attached to the business. Yeah. And then I lost it overnight, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because yeah. first of all, I had to start from the ground up. Yeah. This was five years ago. So it's not that long. Yeah. Um, and within two years, um, I'd created expert empires. You know, I'd, I'd probably achieved more in that two years than any other point in my Mm-hmm. business history mm-hmm. and so it proved to me a that first of all i'm capable of creating something out of nothing yes and you know and and also what it did is it removed the fear like literally like today we've built you know rebuilt now over the last five years multi-seven figure business we've got you know amazing clients staff everything it's, it's incredible now i wouldn't want to lose it let me just get that out there mm-hmm. of course i wouldn't but I'm not fearful of losing it yeah. because I've already lost it all once yeah. and I, I managed to build it again. Yeah. Do so you know, go, do you know, and, and that by the way, when you said, uh, when you asked me earlier about risk and how risk taking risk yes. averse are you, I think that experience made me more of a risk taker than I even was before yes. because the fear of failures almost disappeared. Don't yeah. be wrong. I don't want to fail. No yeah. one wants to fail. Yeah. But I go, if the worst happened yeah. and it all fell to pieces, it doesn't matter because I could start again tomorrow because yeah, I already know, did it once. Do you know what I mean? I feel exactly the same as about a lot of things. Whenever anything's like, wow, that must be true. You know, this events thing and this COVID thing. Everyone's like, what if this, what if that? I'm like, listen, I've been through being fucking suicidal. Yeah. I've been through way fucking it's worse than- get that bad again. Somebody calling me a name on the internet. Somebody fucking saying, no, I don't, don't want to join your program. Or someone saying, oh, your program shit, your book shit, this is shit. Yeah. Or Boris saying, listen- like you can't put an event on for more than 30 people. I'm like, it's not, it's not convenient, but I'm like, fuck me. I've been through way worse than that. Yeah, it's not the worst. Nah, exactly. so you guys I, listening I, I in. I feel like once you've had the worst case scenario, everything from that, yeah. everything from that point on yeah. is, is good yeah. stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. like once you've been standing on the edge of a cliff suicidal, yeah. like it ain't going to get any worse nah. than that. I mean, I, I'm for, I, I, I mean, there's only been, one thing I've that's worse than that. that. And that's actually jumping, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've yeah. never been to that place. Yeah. Um, but like I go, I've been to some pretty bad places in my business career, my personal life. Yeah. And you know, when you've been that low, everything from that point on has to be a blessing. And, and it's, it's easier no matter where you are in the future to look back on that. And I, you know, some people say, I never look back into the past, always look forward into the future. I'm like, actually, I think looking back into the past can Me be too. a good thing to really see how far you've come and to go like, Hey, you know, and that's really where all, your, all your lessons and wisdom are from there anyway. Of course. Yeah. And I don't know. 
I think you're. I think it actually becomes a bit corny sometimes, but I don't think there's anyone that's successful that hasn't had something like that. Nobody. Or almost. It's almost like you. You know. You see, um, the most successful business people, entrepreneurs on the planet. It's almost like you know they've got the stripes. It's like a prerequisite, isn't it? Yeah, man. Fucking like, up failure as a prerequisite. You have to have. I mean, you know, like the, all all the best known entrepreneurs uh, have all been bankrupt or lost it all or had these stories. And almost like. You, and here's the reason why I think it is like a prerequisite, is because the only way to avoid that kind of setback is to if not I push not, hard yes. enough, not take the risks in the first place. Yeah. And it's like the, the the greatest risks are always the part, the, the areas where you've got the potential for the greatest reward, yeah. but also the greatest failure. Yeah. And you'll never get the greatest success unless you take a certain degree of risk. Yeah. Yeah. Just can't. I love it. And actually, I, I, I was smiling while I was saying that because I, when I speak now, I make that little joke at the start. I haven't got that. I've never been bankrupt. I've never been fucking homeless. My parents are still together. I've got both my arms. I've got both my legs. I was never bullied at school. I've never lived in escape. The only thing that's happened to me is this. I've been fucking rock bottom before. Yeah. And then, yeah, because, I, you know what I also get, mate? We're talking about money before. What I also get is this comment on me, on my clip video. People are like, oh, well, you had loads of money. Like, well, yeah, it doesn't let, fucking matter. Yeah, but let me talk about that a sec. Because I remember um, years ago, I'd always hear people say, well, money doesn't make you money happy. Doesn't make you happy. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, look, I'm not saying that you can't get that lesson unless you've experienced it, but here's been my experience personally. Mm-hmm. I never understood that until I had money and I wasn't happy. Yes. Because because then it was personal experience. Yes. It wasn't theoretical. I'm listening to somebody else tell me their experience. It was, I've lived it. Mm. I've had success, had money and not been happy. Therefore, I've experienced at a personal level, the two aren't linked. Yeah. And then it allows you to be free of it. and go. You're probably the only person that got the Breitling watch thing. I've told a couple of people about this. So the other week, guys, Leslie went into the Metro Centre and uh, I caught her. Like, she went on this seat with a little squirrel mission. It was fucking obvious. I caught her coming out of the Breitling shop and I made her take the watch back. It was for my birthday because I know that that watch might be nice, but I'm not really into that whole thing. Yeah. And I told, I've told a few people, they're like, what? But then you, you were like, oh, yeah, I get you, And you've got a fucking great watch on. Well, here's why I get it. I get it because I've had nice things and I've had a lot of money and yeah. I haven't been happy. Yeah. I've also had nice things and had a lot of money. And I have been happy. Yes. So the two are separate. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> They're not linked. Yeah. Money, money doesn't equal happiness, but also here's the other bit. Not having money doesn't equal not happiness either. So yes, like yes. You, you go, you can be one, you can be, you can have money and be happy. Yeah. You can have no money and be happy. Yes. You can have, you get my point, right? Yeah. So, and when you mentioned the watch thing, I was like, look, I get it for yeah. you because yeah. I was like, look, do you want it? And you were like, not really. So I go, well, if you don't want it, don't yeah. have it. There's yeah. no point. But also if you do want it, there's nothing wrong with that either. Nah, um, I but it. I get for you yeah. personally, you were yeah. like, look, I wear, I mean, you wear two watches. I've got a wood band on, which it. this measures me recovery. Yeah. Okay. Heart rate variability, whether, yeah. how hard I should train, yeah. which is important at my age, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and the other one, basically, it doesn't even have a fucking strap on it, look. Yeah. Is, um, it counts me steps. But that's a Brighton doesn't do either of those, those things. And it's fucking four grand. It doesn't do either of those things. And you're, so here's the point. Yeah. What you're really saying yeah. is for you, Paul Moore. I value health. You value, well, you value, well, not just health, but specifically counting steps and recovery from yes. training more than you do wearing a Brightling watch, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. And by the way, that doesn't make you right and me wrong yes. or me right and you wrong. Yeah. I go, 
I value having a nice fucking watch yeah. over counting my steps. Yeah. And I'm not like, bothered. I hear loads of people saying it's a great investment, isn't it? Loads of people are like, oh, watch is a great investment. But I don't know. Well, I don't get that unless well, you intend on selling it. Well, it depends, obviously, on what, you know, what brand it is. I think is. it's a Rolly that's and, a... Yeah, and... and Isn't um, there a waiting list for a Rolly? Resale value and, you know, how lim- limited edition. Yeah. I'm not an expert, by the way. Yeah. You should have asked Rob more about this. Is he an expert, it. Rob? Is he? Mate, Rob knows more about watches than anybody I know. Really? He's advised me quite a bit on it. Yeah. So so the point is, though, I go, you know... Advice note. Like, by the way, you go, it's a good investment. All right. There's plenty of other places you can put your money, which are also a good investment. And they're Mate, a better I'd investment. Put it, I'd put it in. They're a better investment yeah. than a watch. So, like, have the watch because you want it. Yeah. And if it happens to be a good investment, great. Bonus. Have, have the one that's a better investment than buying the one that isn't. Yeah. But, like, I bought this watch because I wanted it. It wasn't yeah. a good investment, but yeah. I didn't care because I wanted it. <laughs> um, I knew that it wouldn't make me happier than I was. Yeah. But I wanted it. Because I like the watch. Yeah. And it was, yeah. and by the way, it was symbolic for me as well. Because when I was at pretty much rock bottom, by the yeah. way, and I haven't really, I don't really speak about this, um, there was definitely a time in my life where I was not in a good place mm-hmm. financially, emotionally, any of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually went, um, I've never told this story. I love oh, you, you were going world you, exclusive. Yeah. I, I love how you, you cause people to share this. Chris Ramsey how do, do, you, on how you? do you do that? I don't know. Um, Just talk so, shit. So I went, I went on a, I went to an event in Mallorca. Mallorca? Yeah. I went to an event in Mallorca to learn about buying and selling businesses. Um, which by the way, was brilliant. And I bought some was it? businesses. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, and, but I was, I was like, not in a good place. Yeah. Like, mate, I can't believe I'm going to tell this story, but I'm going there. I'd literally, the night before, been on the fuck the biggest bender of my entire life, mm-hmm. wasted a shitload of What was of his money. name? <laughs> um, sorry, bro. Sorry. Waste, waste shit over me, rolled in at a stupid time in the morning. Yeah. And, and literally was in that place of like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Then I had to get on a plane and go to Mallorca for this event. Oh, shit. And it was, but it was great timing because yeah. it got me away and it got me to change really, your environment. Really evaluate my yeah. life. Anyway, so the guy running the event, um, his name's Jeremy Harbour and he's very, very good at buying and selling businesses. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah. And he had this watch on. The one that I'm wearing today. Really? And, and I remember going to him. I, I, like, I love that watch. Um, you know, and he, he actually, got, I put it on and I went, that watch is fucking incredible. Took a photo of it and I went, I'm going to get myself into a position where I can afford to buy that watch. That's cool. And I got myself in the position and bought it. So it was symbolic for me. Yeah. It wasn't like for other people. It wasn't because it's going to make me happier than I already am. Yes. It was symbolic for me to go. It's kind of like getting I was, a tattoo. When I, got, I, was, I, got a t- I got tattoos for that yeah, reason. Symbolic. Yeah. So when I was, uh, you know, I wasn't on the edge of a cliff. Yeah. Like you were, but I was in a really bad place. Um, and so, you know, when I managed to, uh, and it was around the time where the business was, you know, the business partnership was splitting and all that. Yeah. And, you know, within, within a year, 18 months, got myself back into a good financial position yeah. and, and rewarded myself. Right, let's, hit, let's hit rewind then. You don't think you're getting out of it that easily. Well, <laughs> Let's let's talk about that then. Eighteen months before that, when you weren't in that good place, um, financially, emotionally, etc. What what else had led to that? Was the drinking? Was that like was it just a business failure or was it? Well, here was the thing: the business was the probably the symptom. Yes. No, actually, that's not the right way around to describe it. The business was the cause. Yes. But actually then it caused a lot of symptoms to show up. Mm. So it then manifested in drinking. Yeah. It then manifested in making bad life choices. It then manifested in wasting money that I didn't yes. have on shit I didn't need. Yes. It then manifested in all these bad choices yeah. because 
I had low self-esteem. Yes. That was the truth. I had yeah. low self-esteem. Yeah. And because All you were trying to do there was making yourself feel better, right? Of course I was. Yeah. And so I was looking furiously for something to make me feel better. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you know, it, it took me down a, a path which was not good. And, you know, you had your version of rock bottom. I guess yeah. this was mine. Yeah. And you know what's cool? I haven't thought about that in months. Really? And and it doesn't really occur to me at all. And I haven't shared it on a single podcast, on a single Isn't stage with a single another person. Um, and yeah, oh, well, thank I, you, man. I love, I love that it's just come out. And now there's going to be tens of thousands of people that know Ask. about it. But, <laughs> Ask, but, they'll be asking but about actually, it. I, I never really thought about how symbolic it was. I, I mean, I did. But um, yeah, in truth, like that was my rock bottom, really. Yeah. I was in a bad place. Yeah. In Mallorca, I was a turning... It, well, it, it got me out I mean, of my Just think about it. If you're hungover and you've been on a bender, there could have been, like, you didn't have to go to that. Like, think about that. Mate, that could I have been... I remember it. I dragged myself to the airport, like, yeah. and I was not good. Yeah. Like, literally not good. I dragged myself to the airport, like, fucking hoodie, sunglasses, like, um, got on the flight, felt like death. If you've ever been hungover on a flight, it's the worst place in the world uh -huh. to be. After Vegas um, as well. Oh, yeah. I've done that on more than one occasion. Um, got to Mallorca got to where I was staying and literally went to bed and I, I slept for like fucking whatever, like 18 hours yeah. or something yeah. before I got up and then the, the thing all started. So yeah, yeah it, it was like, it was almost like going rehab. Really? <laughs> I've, never yeah, been, yeah, yeah. I've never been to rehab, but I guess that's what it's probably like. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I'm not going to sit here and bullshit and say that was the magic moment. And then since then my life's been sunshine and rainbows. Yes. Cause it hasn't. And I've made plenty of bad fucking choices since then. Oh, about, let's talk about some of them. Um, Let's start with some of them. I'm not, I'm not saying it was a turning point. I never did, never did anything bad again. And yeah. so, um, and you, you know this because I've shared this with you, and and I have shared this with other people and yeah. podcast listeners as well. Um, yeah, made the decision at the start of the year just to give up drinking yeah. for the whole twelve. Yeah, for twelve months I went. I'm gonna stop drinking because that was always my vice. That was always my default. When I felt good, yes. I'd celebrate. celebrate. When I felt shit. I'd commiserate yeah. when there was any fucking good excuse. I'd just do it. Yes. Um, and, and you know, the truth is enjoyed it, but I realized that it was holding me back. Yeah. I realized that it was sapping my energy, my time. Um, and the, the strongest reason actually was I got to the end of, of last year, best year ever in business ever um, on a number of levels. And I went, how do I top that? <laughs> Which, funnily enough, is what we talked about with the events. Went, you think that might be anything I went, to, I went, I'm gonna meet need, me? I'm going to need two <laughs> things. If I'm going to top that, if yeah. I'm going to go next level this year, yes. I'm going to need more time, more energy. How do I get more time, more energy? There's only one way that I could do that. Yeah. There was, well, actually, there, there was probably more than one way I could do it. There was one very obvious way that by doing that one thing, particularly the energy difference. Yes. Yeah. Didn't you read a book or something that got you? Yeah. I read a book called the one thing by yeah. Gary Kessler. And there's a co-author that I always forget the name of. Yeah. Um, and uh, I actually listened to the audio book that was recommended to me by my coach. Yeah. Um, and I went, right. What's the one, the question that changed my life last year, I've mm -hmm. had a number of different occasions. Um, I went, what's the one thing that would make everything else easy or unnecessary. I went, stop drinking for the year. That's going to make getting out of the bed in the morning, training the gym, get myself in the right mindset, mm -hmm. having time, energy for the business, for the team, for the clients, for the kids, for Nat, for yeah. my wife, all of that, that one thing is going to make everything else a lot easier than it would be. Yeah. Um, and best decision I ever made. Mate, we talk about this a lot. Like we talk about this boozing thing a lot. Cause I think for a lot of people, it's a, it, it, it's a big challenge for them. What has been, how have you managed that? Cause that hasn't been easy, has it? Or has it? It's been a piece of piss. Has it? And I know that's not the answer you expect. Yeah, no, it's not. Let me tell you why. Leverage. A couple of things. One, 
it was the right time. Yeah. I, I, I definitely am in no position to start lecturing people about why they shouldn't be drinking. Yes. Look, I've drank more in the last fucking 18 years than most yeah. people drink in their entire life. So, <laughs> I, well, you know, maybe you might have had a good go. Um, <laughs> but but I, I, I'm, not, I'm not in a position, and also not saying that I'm never going to drink again. Yes, like, I'm, I'm not the same. That, I'm not in that place. Yeah. So I'm definitely not in a position to lecture. Here's why it's been easy, because I made the decision and it was for me. Mm. It was for me, and of course, it was also for the business and my family. But it was for me first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, I made the decision, and then the second thing, and this is what the reason why more people don't achieve their goals or, or, or I guess, follow through on the New Year's resolutions or the promises they make or the standards they set for themselves is I went all out on I went leverage. Yes, mm-hmm. I had leverage, mm-hmm. but I didn't have that much leverage because I go well, I'd already had a successful business. Yeah, so I go. I could have a successful Yeah, business. like nothing was broken, was it? Correct. I think that's the thing, you had so, nothing broken. And by the way, last year was great. Yeah. Great year. So yeah. it was like, well, if I don't drink, it's going to be even better, but that's not enough leverage. So yes. um, I went to the only place that I know I won't let myself down, mm-hmm. and I went massive on public accountability. Yes. So I made the decision. I told, first of all, as soon as I made the decision, I knew that I'd back out of it if I didn't do something. Yeah. So I told my coach, um, who's amazing, holds me accountable. Mm-hmm. I told my wife, mm-hmm. I started telling people in my peer group, my mates, mm-hmm. and what was great was they all fucking laughed at me and told me I couldn't do it. Yeah. Now that to me is like red rag Fuck to you, yeah. I go, right, yeah. I'm, now I'm going to do it just to rub it in your face yeah. and show that I'm, I'm stronger and, and more, cu- more capable yeah. than you are. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of people say, oh, you won't do it. Yeah. Don't be an idiot. Yeah. Like all that sort of shit. Um, and then I went next level. I went public accountability. So I told people about it on, on, from uh, I did an event early January, told people from stage. Mm-hmm. Um, when I've been interviewed on podcasts, I talk about it, mm-hmm. um, posted about it on social, all that. And I, I'm like, I would look like such a dickhead now, such a failure, such a fraud if I didn't follow through. Yeah. I've got no choice. Yeah. And, and it's been the easiest thing I've ever done. Honestly, it's not been hard. Really? No one can believe that. Yeah. But I, I think I, I understand myself well enough to know what motivates me. Yeah. And I, I'm like the pride Yes. Or the, or the, or the, uh, I guess the shame of failing yeah. publicly would be yeah. so great. There's a, there's a bit of fear there, That's isn't more it? Painful it's painful. Fear, me. isn't it? Yeah. So, so honestly, it's not even been a consideration. Really? Yeah. There's not one time where I've had to fight to not drink. Or yeah. I just go, mate, it's done. Literally, from the second I made the decision and told everyone, That's mad. it was done. Yeah. Then, then the, the, the year is more honestly I genuinely you think Corbin might have helped the years of the years of formality for me really literally people on early in January they're like I don't know how you you know oh do you think you'll be able to do it I'm like think I'll be able to do it it's done like straight up in my head it's done and now the time is just a formality yeah Um, has COVID made it easier I've had I think for a lot of people it made it harder so you know what I think it depends on the individual depends if you're a social drinker or an at home drinker yeah and, and I go for me social, so yeah. you could argue easier. Yeah. Um. But a load of people have gone like you couldn't have picked a better year to do it because you know less temptation to go out and with your mates and all that. Yes. Um. And then also I've had the flip side where people have gone you couldn't have picked a worse time to do it because you know what were you doing when you were sitting around the house in COVID yeah. and you couldn't leave. Yeah. So I go it isn't. I, I truly believe I would have been that in. The, that would have been me. Yeah. I harder, but, harder staying in. Well, yeah, but I, I truly believe that. Look. It's not easier or more difficult yes. based upon external influences. Yes. It just is. And by the way, because um, I do get a little bit narked when people go, oh, well, it's been easy for you this year because you mm. haven't been able to go out. I go, hold on a second. It's hard effort. Mate, I did a week in Vegas. Oh, sure, start. yeah. Like, 
that is the worst place on the planet to go if mm-hmm. you're trying to not drink and do bad shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a big Villa fan. Yeah. We got to Wembley for the Carabao Cup final. That was yeah. February. Went down to that. You know, normally that would be big booze yes. weekend with my mates. So, look, I, I feel like there's been enough tests. Yeah. But it wasn't easy. Um, and, and like I said, because I was resolved. Were well, you still getting shit off your mates when I drinking or was it? Um, I think at first a little bit, but when they realised I was serious, which they did pretty quickly, they yeah. were just like, yeah, they just accepted it. Yeah. And, and like I said, I'm not saying I'm never going to drink again, but I tell you what, um, it's changed my life. And I, you can never, you can never look into the future, but I don't think I will ever go back to drinking the volume or the regularity that I did. That's yeah. worth saying. It's yeah. not like I was a fucking full on alcoholic yes, and drinking yes. every day. I wasn't drinking all day. I wasn't drinking every day and I wasn't drinking all day. So it's like, it was more binging Friday, yes. Saturday nights, whatever. Yes. Um, so, you know, and, and the, the, also the greatest blessing when I made the decision and I told my wife, mm-hmm. um, she's amazing. Most supportive person in the world. Mm-hmm. I actually interviewed her for my podcast mm-hmm. last week. I was inspired by you and Leslie. I think you know, yeah. that was a great idea to do that. So I did the same. Yeah. Um, and as soon as I told her I was doing it straight away, she went, I'll do it with you. Really? And, I, and I went, I went, honestly, babe, you don't have to. Yes. The reason I'm telling you isn't because I want you to do it with me. I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for us. I'm doing it for our family, for our business. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. And she went, no, no, I want to do it because I want to do it for me and I want to support you. And that did definitely make it easier. Yeah. Yeah. No booze at home. Well, yeah, there's no temptation. There's no, I mean, not that it would have mattered, but like, yeah. I mean, we weren't big at home drinkers anyway, but yeah. we have a nice meal at home. We definitely have crack open a bottle of wine. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we would go out for dinner together and, and yeah. cocktails and all that. We do that. That's what we do for fun. And, and by the way, Still, we like we went out Saturday, just gone. Lovely dinner, nice restaurant. What are you drinking instead? Um, so not on the mocktail thing, are you? Uh, so Nat has like a like an alcohol free cocktail. Yeah, thing. I just have like sparkling water. Do you? Um, with like food. Yeah. Um, here's, here's but, a question but, for you. I like the I like the alcohol free beers. Yeah. Do you? Uh, yeah. Like that. I've never had one because I don't like the taste of beer. Well, if you don't like the taste, I'll of beer, drink beer to get drunk. Yeah, but I, I like the taste of beer. So like, yeah. I play golf, love, yeah. love golf, and you know, middle of the summer, sunny outside, coming off the golf course, everyone's having a beer. Like that, that's probably the one place more than anywhere where I'd miss it. Yeah, have an alcohol-free beer, yeah. and actually, some of them, I think, you know, the standards have gone up. They yeah. taste great. They do the job. I can be there for an hour, have a bit of banter with the lads, and then I get in the car and go home because yeah. everyone's getting pissed. And like, yeah. let's face it, there's nothing worse than being the only sober one there. When no. everyone's pissed. No. So, so um, yeah, alcohol-free beers are good. But, you know, like, we go out for a nice meal. Ordinarily, you know, we'd have, like, the wine matching with the food. And we just haven't had it. We um, don't have that in South and, Shields. And we'll, and we'll we don't have, have that in South yeah, Shields. Yeah. There's no uh, like mate, that. Birmingham's got loads of great Cosmopolitan. But, but, you know, I mean, and, and by the way, we actually talked about this on Saturday night. And I was like, will we, after this year, go to a nice restaurant and have the wine matching? Probably. Yes. Um, but we actually said, we went, you know what? Like, this is going to sound like, I'm, it'll be embarrassing to do this, but we're going to go, we'll have the wine matching, but we'll have it for one and we'll share it. Like people are going to look at us and go, <laughs> these poor mom. bastards, yeah. these poor bastards can't even afford the wine matching. It's like, no, no, the reason is because cool. we don't want to consume that much alcohol. But I like the idea, the, the taste of it with the food. Like you definitely yeah. missed, I missed that a little yes. bit. It does complement really nicely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we, we're trying to, I guess what we will try and do is get the upside of it Without taking on a load of alcohol. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me, what, um, what, um, what's your opinion on this? Do you think sparkling water makes your mouth dry? Do I think sparkling water makes your mouth dry? Yeah. I've asked this of almost every podcast host because Mac reckons it does. 
Producer Max, I don't make your mouth dry. I'm like, what the fuck? When I asked Chris Ramsey, he lost his shit, was going off I'm, it I'm about con- sparkling water. I'm he was confused. so passionate about how much he hates it. So, so I used to hate sparkling water. Like, I didn't see the point, didn't like it. Yes. Um, but when I, then I actually did Dry January a few years ago, and I was like, I want a replacement. And, you know, part of the reason for doing Dry January was wanting to get in really good shape. Like mm-hmm. everyone, drank too much, ate too much over Christmas. was mm-hmm. like, bang, want to get in the gym, want to get in good shape. So I didn't even want to take on, like, any bad food, bad yes. drinks. So I went... Um, so I experimented. I sp- so Chris Ramsey, yeah. who hates sparkling water, here's the challenge for him. Try sparkling water, loads of ice, and wedges of fresh lime. That's that is nice. That is nice. That's interesting. So, so it, it's kind of like a sparkling, fruity, like it tastes much better than, like sparkling water on its own. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't taste like, it, it, it's no good. I don't, this I is how wild it was. This is how, this is, he said how, he was on Saturday Kitchen with James Martin. Or someone like that. Whatever Saturday kitchen is now, and they gave him a spot and more, and he sent it back. <laughs> said, well, no, I would, I would say, get me some ice, lime. lots of ice, and some wedges of fresh lime. Bang it in there. I'm in. Oh, I'm in. I'm really nice. I might be in on that thing. Try it, man. So listen, let's talk about because uh, uh, I know kind of what you do here, but I think it's important for all the entrepreneurs listening in, right? I get asked all the time, how do you switch off? Yeah. Like, what's your thing, golf? Look, look, I'm gonna like. I'm more than willing to hold my hands up and tell you where I'm where I'm not very good or I'm struggling or I'm failing. I'm an open book. When it comes to switching off, I will tell you it's the one thing that I've always been really good at. Always You're good really at good switching at, off. Yeah, yeah. Really? I, I can I can check out pretty quickly, pretty can easily. You? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I've just always been quite good at it. Yeah. And I think it's because I've got a lot of different ways. Yeah. If you think about it, I've got a lot of different strategies for switching off. Yeah. So um so like big into sports and football, as you know, big Villa fan. So like, you know, when I'm watching football, I'm absorbed in that. Yes. Um, you know, it's a good, you know, also I'm fortunate that I've got some amazing friends, colleagues in the business world. Yeah. But I've also got some amazing friends who are that aren't. in the business yeah, world. Yeah, me too. And so, you know, we'll, we'll hang out, watch football. Um, and they don't, because they, they don't know about anything about they the They don't talk shop. Well, they, they don't know. They don't know anything about it, yes. so they can't really. Yeah. So they, they don't know how to talk about it. So yeah. we just talk about the football, or you know, or sport, or family, or whatever. We talk about yeah. normal shit. Yeah. So that's helpful, I think, for me that I've yeah. got that outlet. Yeah. Love the sport. Play a lot of golf. Love mm. that. Um. Bit obsessed with golf, and uh, you know, been having lessons this year because I really want to get my handicap down. Did it get worse when you had lessons? Uh, at first, I remember I, play, I used you, to I was, play golf. You know? I was really struggling the start of this year. Oh, yeah. So actually, I think it, it wasn't that difficult. You couldn't get any worse. Getting through, yeah. <laughs> but no, I've been much much better since I had lessons. So what I'm what I'm saying is, I'm, I find it quite easy to. I've got a lot of different strategies, a lot of different ways to switch off. Do you know what I think? I think this right. I think what you're good at. And what I'm good at is, and, and what a lot of people's guys don't get is, you're essentially not really switching off. You're switching on to something else. That's yeah. what I think. Oh. I think a lot of entrepreneurs just try and relax. Mate. I, we can't do that. I, I can't. No, no. That's a really, really good distinction. Yeah. My wife takes the piss out of me. I'm hopeless at like- Do nothing. Doing yeah, me nothing, too. Nothing. Now, too. the thing is though, my version of doing nothing, yeah. she hates as well. So like, she hates. I love- on a Sunday, for example, like both my kids play football. So yeah. basically Saturday morning, Sunday morning, they got yeah. matches, all that. I love getting home Sunday lunchtime, Sunday afternoon 
and get the match on doing nothing yeah. but I'm not doing nothing because I'm watching the football <laughs> and you know I've, like, I've got stuff to do you get, get sent in a different part. room or not um, <laughs> I get sent in a different room now yeah. if you're watching that you go go in a different room or she's in there watching fucking YouTube so so, well, <laughs> I, so, so we've actually got um, so like the TV we've got in the main lounge. Yeah. Um, BT Sports only hooked up to that TV. So if it's a match on BT Sport, I get the main yes. lounge anyway. Yeah. But I don't really care, man. As long as oh, I they can don't be, show League One. As long as I can be left they alone. don't show League One on BT Sports, so yeah. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, Sunderland. Yeah, um, shite. No, no, but I think, I think um, yeah, I, I don't, I never do nothing. Mm-hmm. But I like to relax and focus on something, football, play golf, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's having something to fill the. It's a cool distinction, that, isn't it? That you, you're not. Trying to just businessmen trying to switch off. I've, I think that's why they often I've end ne- up drinking. I've never, I've never gone like meditation and that. Yeah, not for me. Yeah. Like by the way, my version of that is sleep. I go yeah. if I really want to switch off, switch off and not do anything. Well, that's what I, I think as well. Nap. That's what I think as well. Have a sleep. But even then, your brain's still fucking working. Because how many times do you do you try and have an app then get an idea? Yeah, <laughs> it's where your best creativity comes. It from. is. Um, but one other thing that I think on on switching off that's that's been helpful. I've I've recently started doing this is. Um, Getting getting phone and laptop and everything off. Yeah. Uh, 9.15 is my deadline. Is it? Yeah. I try I've and just, have APM and put it, I have to put it in the car. That's how bad I am. Yeah, just airplane. I just airplane. Nah, I can't do that. You're not disciplined. Oh, my fuck. Uh, Imagine that, mate. Imagine me seeing, it's like for me that, having the phone there, I remember the other day. It's like, it's like me stopping drinking and having an ice cold pint of beer on the side going, hard. are you sure not you don't want it? it? Yeah. Like going into a titty bar and not looking at the tits. <laughs> I use that so analogy put, all the time. So put the phone in the car, yeah. I have to because I remember the other day, I went to Cafe Nero, I've got a Cafe Nero right next to the offices and there was three, I came back with three coffees and my phone went off in my pocket, I got a text and it fucking killed us. Not being able to look at it. Not being able to look at it. Hey, so mate, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty fucking bad that's for that. So that'll probably be one of my big things next year actually is, is get a handle on the phone use because it's pretty fucking naughty. I've got one last question for you. Who been your all-time Villa 11? This is I've just lost fucking 99% of my audience there but I want to know who be a goalkeeper. What, you want the full 11? I want the full 11 just oh, off the top of your head. All right. Bosnich in goal. Yes. Gotta be. Yeah. You bear in mind all-time at my age, it's probably going to be predominantly 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. probably not anything recent. Because yeah, I think I've seen a bit of this, shit. actually. I think I've seen a bit of your all-time 11. I'm not sure. Who's right back? Ba- who's right back? Earl Barrett. Uh, <laughs> um, right back. Neil Cox. Be... Mate, your knowledge <laughs> of Maybe knowledge of football is phenomenal. Better than me. Um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, 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 Chrissy Price. Chris Price. You know, wow. Um, left back, Staunton, all day long. Yeah. Um, centre back's got to be Paul, Paul McGrath, McGrath, obviously. Yes. A given. And I'm going to say Martin Larson from Ooh, my generation. Yes, Paul. He was a beast. Yes, he was. Um, I. Uh, Grealish has got to be in there. Got to be. What 100%. Um, so he's got to be in the 10. I'd probably go Tony Daly, left wing. Really? All See, I didn't long. think he'd choose Tony Daly. Merson's got to be in the middle as well. Really? He was class. I mean, I was, oh, supposed, to, I was supposed to be speaking in an event this year with um, Merson. Really? Uh, yeah, he's class, man. Uh, um, uh, York. Dean Saunders. Noah Bonner? Nah. No, he's a Not dick. even close. Really? Not even close. York. I'm going three up top. You know, modern. Um, York, Dean Saunders, uh, Daniel Atkinson. Daniel Atkinson. East of the No three Peter Crouch? Nah. No. I rate him. Yeah. I actually want to get him on the podcast. Really? Yeah. Um, you should get him on this. It'd be good. I probably I could. It'd be good. He's doing the circuit, isn't he? Maybe we could do a ball one, get one free, maybe. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so... Uh, As if I'd pee him. But, but, then, but then he finds out that I wouldn't have him in my villa with him, so i got no chance now. Mate, you could probably get someone like Tony Daly. Yeah. Those guys. Maybe. Mate, uh, thank you so much for coming on, Mr. Nick James. Thank Thanks you. Me, thank you, sir. Thank you. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms, and uh, share the love, tell your friends. Remember, till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect. <laughs>